Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. All right, welcome back to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. This is your host, Byron Horton, and I have a fun and quality episode with the man Dan Johnson. We BS about whitetails, but we also BS about life and talk about 90s movies. We talk about gear. I mean, it is just kind of a, a looser, no, there was an agenda, but there wasn't like a, a hardcore five steps for big bucks kind of agenda. Um, that being said, I did put out a pretty good YouTube video last week on filming your hunts in 2023. If you're kind of thinking about it or want to dabble in that, I suggest you check it out. Let's get to the podcast with Dan. All right, we are live, folks, and I have a guest that I've wanted to have on for a while, a guy that probably uh, inspired me a little bit to actually kick off doing any sort of media or work in the space and putting myself out there a little bit. Dan Johnson, welcome to the show. What's up, dude? Hey, first things first, we got to talk about something. We know you're an awesome dad when you have a dad coffee cup of pictures of you and all your kids. That's yep. right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> My wife made this for me for Father's Day. This is a Heck solid. Yeah. And and she knows, she, she, she knows to make it like the touch taller coffee cup to fit more coffee, right? Oh, yeah. Like. Oh, yeah. Look what I'm drinking out of. I mean, I'm drinking out of the big dog today. (laughs) Funny story about that. And this is perfect for Dan being on the podcast. This week, I witnessed my boy who was in a crib, hurl and then muscle up himself over the top bar. And uh, that crib now has been converted to a bed. Um, So now he is dubbed the name the Midnight Runner. Yep. Yep. So you're proud of him because he's finally got the strength to pull himself out of, you know, that you're like, God, oh, the lats are working great. You know, <laughs> it, he's, he's progressing as normal, you know, and, and, and he's going to, he's going to someday be good at sports and and then you'll like, your life will be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah. So now he is running the halls or waking me up uh, a little more regularly, but uh, yeah, that's okay. This, this moment will pass in time and, and better now than November 5th, if you will. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's kick things off. I got a a variety of funny topics, uh, some deer hunting, obviously related in there as well. But uh, let's go for a little rapid fire. Dan, how do you like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dan, how do you like your coffee? Black. Uh, Meal after you shoot a buck. No, that's a tough one. It just depends on where I shoot it at. If I'm out, if you know, like if I'm out, I know this is rapid fire, but I can't answer it. I can't answer it rapid fire. If I'm in Iowa, it's probably Casey's. I'll stop at Casey's. I'll grab a, a, a pork tenderloin, a bag of chips, and, uh, you know, like a, a Gatorade or something. If I'm out uh, on an out-of-state hunt, I'm going to stop at a gas station probably, and I'm going to just grab junk food and stuff my face. Okay. Uh, summer beer of choice? Ooh, dude. You know, you can't go wrong with Coors Light, but summer shandy's up there, dude. Okay. Wide buck or big brows? last year was big brows the year before that was 24 inch inside so probably wide dude i I think it's so sweet watching a 
a wide buck walk through the timber. Dude, I'll shoot an 80 or 90 inch buck if he's 20 inches wide. Like <laughs> I, I, that, that trips my trigger. Just two spikes, just two main beams coming out. Yeah. 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 Like I, I no. love, I, I love wide bucks. So uh favorite sports team. And if you have multiple list them. Well, I don't watch too much pro sports. Um, so anything, Iowa athletics, you know, Iowa football, dude, I'll tell you this. There's a, a young lady by the name of Caitlin Clark, who is an animal. She's a basketball player. Uh, and they're tonight. They actually play their, uh, um, the final four game against the number one team in the nation, uh, South Carolina. And, uh, I have st- this year, I've started watching women's sports or women's basketball because of her. Yeah, no, she she's a stud for sure. Okay, let me ask yeah. this one. Um, this is related to Whitetail Experience. What is your frozen pizza brand of choice? Frozen pizza, man, I tell you what, I can't. They're fast to cook. You know, have you ever heard of the saying, um, it's not the best, but it makes a turd? You ever heard that saying? No, I have right? not. You have not. Okay, so it's not the best meal I've ever had, but it, it'll make a turd. And so... Are there pizzas that are better than this one? Yes, there are. But just growing up the way I grew up, uh, Totino's, Totino's pizza, you can't, I mean, they're, they're garbage, but they're, they hit the spot sometimes. Dude, my Mm -hmm. marketing professor from college worked for Totino's for, for a few Mm -hmm. years and he had some cool, funny stories. He was a good dude. Um, Okay. You're going on a road trip. Uh, Let's call it a Western hunt. What's your uh, road stop? What, what what kind of stops do you like to make on that that journey? Like, what's your your in and out fast food place of choice? Man, it's just I'm a gas station guy, right? I'm I'm an I'm efficient. Uh, if I stop at a gas station, I don't want to have to cross the street to go through a McDonald's or anything like that. So, um, cheese flying J. What are we thinking uh, here, man? Probably a loves. Yeah, probably a loves. Uh, they have a pretty good selection. The coffee, for the most part, is always somewhat fresh like some of these smaller gas stations it's like they make it at 6 a.m and then they don't change it until the next morning and so it tastes like cigarette butts and uh and so i i like me i loves all right that is solid dan what's the best purchase you've made hunting related or non-hunting related in the last six months sleeping bag Mm, what'd you go with i went with you're gonna shit at this price a western mountaineering uh, made in the USA, badass, zero. De- I think it's a zero degrees bag, 680 bucks, I think is what I paid for it. And it is magical. I mean, nice. it is, it's money, man. Nice. Yeah, we, I spent some money on a, on a backpacking bag. This had been two, three years ago and they're not cheap, but they're, yeah. they're pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what it, you know, the previous year, I would say I spent over that in hotel costs, right? You know, it's just staying in a hotel when I went out West. Now I just sleep in the back of my truck on a foam pad with this, uh, this sleeping bag and it's, uh, it's legit. Okay. Okay. Dan, we're going to sw- switch gears here. Okay. We're going to go a little more serious. Okay. Do you have any updates on like some of the Iowa legislation that you brought up? Oh, a couple weeks back at the, um, deer and Turkey expo you know, I'm I'm sitting here. I don't live in Iowa, but right. some of what you were um, informing the public on, I'm like, dude, that is ridiculous. As a state that wish, like, I wish my state would just mirror what you guys do. 
Yeah. And to hear that the, the mecca of whitetail hunting is under attack by some right. BS. You got an update right. for us on that? Yeah. So um, the last time I checked, uh, uh, so we have this guy in Iowa, his name is Skip Sly. Yeah. And he works closely with the Iowa um, Bow Hunters Association. And so he was actually at state Capitol earlier this week, meeting with uh, lawmakers, meeting with politicians, voicing his opinion to the politicians that are on our side. And he heard some, he, he heard basically um, the, the lobbyists, you know, he heard the lobbyist about the, the whole crossbow de debate pretty much just say the, we are getting paid to try to get bow um, crossbows in your archery season. So our clients make more money mm -hmm. period. Right. So it has nothing to do with the natural resource or, uh, you know, deer herd numbers or, or quality or whatever like that. And so the good news is, is like, Hey man, you get, you get about, to, you know, a hundred to 300 people email in to their, their representatives. And this should be squashed along with, you know, all the other stuff. And, and, and we've created a lot of momentum here in Iowa behind these, um, you know, being anti these laws yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that are being passed. And so we've generated a lot of support from other Iowa, you know, outdoorsmen um, who, and even non-residents, I don't know how many non-residents have reached out to me who have said, would it be nice to hunt Iowa every year? Yes, absolutely. But the minute that you do, Iowa is not Iowa anymore and therefore it loses its gusto. Right. And mm -hmm. so, and so um, a lot of, I, I feel like we've created enough momentum. We just have to keep going. And then eventually the goal is to take the offensive instead of um, have just be on defense all the time. Yeah. Instead of like, reacting, you're being exactly. proactive. Yeah. We're being proactive and, and potentially introduce some, some laws, rules, and regulations that say, Hey, listen, these types of, these types of bills can only be introduced once every 10 years instead of every single year, uh, some lobbyists going, hey, we want non-resident, higher non-resident tags. We want this, we want this, we want this. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the actual residents of the state and the, the Department of Natural Resources will have way more say in, in how some of these uh, rules and regulations get introduced. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I appreciate that update. And hopefully, you know, uh, the more we talk about some of these things, it's, it's probably better overall. Uh, oh, for, absolutely! For, for the future of deer hunting, yeah, kind of, kind of like the the cell cam thing we we talked about. Uh, exactly. I've seen obviously Kansas took all trail cams out of public land, and then um, Minnesota is putting in some better verbiage around that true use. Um, yeah. You got any more two cents now that that matter has sat there for a couple of weeks after we talked? And again, how you're how you're feeling about it? I, I, well. I want to I want to answer that question, but I want to uh, finish up the point on the the rules and regulations thing. Very simple. All I want to say is, if hunters unite, if there's something that you don't like about a rule or regulation in your state, there are others who who are just like you. And if you can rally enough troops and voice your opinion and say, well, let's just say. You know, and, and we live in a democracy, right? So it's hard to make everybody happy in a democracy. But I'm just going to use this as an example. 
let's say there's a state where the rifle season kicks off on November 1st. If there's enough people that don't like that and feel like it should be moved back a week or two weeks. And so, so the caliber of deer can get bigger. Let's just say that like the hopes of that, um, then there is hope for you guys to change that. If you rally around, if, if there's some bogus rules and regulations, if you, if you rally enough troops, you can change that for the better and put the natural resource back in the hands of the department of natural resources. That's all I want to say about that. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and it takes, um, Oh, it takes people being aware and, and just being conscious of that. Uh, I've tried right. to post some stuff around, uh, some of our EHD outbreak and like some of the laws that got proposed, uh, for, for next season. Um, but yeah, being active about that. Uh, the other topic I, we had just mentioned, you know, you and I did a podcast on cell cams. There's been a couple yeah. things uh, that are in the works. You got any more two cents on that, that topic? I don't want to be, you know, 15 minutes on this, but thought right. I'd touch no. base with on that. So I don't know. Here are the rumblings that I'm hearing from guys in Kansas. All right. Number one, majority of the people in Kansas, they hunt private ground because there is so few. Kansas is the number one state in the nation for the least amount of public land. Iowa is number two, I believe. Okay. Both under 2% public ground. And so it's, it's a minimal effect on, on the state of uh, Kansas, but it affects somebody. And so what we have here is we have a lot of people who probably don't care that that law got passed because they, they hunt private. Okay. So I feel like it, this, this new rule kind of blindsided a whole bunch of people. I, I don't necessarily know if it was the right way to, to pass this law. Mm -hmm. I feel like there should have been a lot of information given to the hunters, but it sounds like, man, I, I don't know what led to it. I don't have enough information to tell you, Hey, you know, here's why they just canceled it. But from the rumblings in the rumor mill, basically, again, the rumor mill, that doesn't mean anything is that the people who made that decision just don't have any information about it. They just were like, ah, screw it. Let's just ban them. Yeah. Yeah. I go back and and forth. Like I know um, Missouri, there's a lot of restrictions on cameras on public land. And if right. if that proposal came here in the Buckeye State, you know what? I'd actually, I think I'm pro no cameras yeah. on public. There's something about, I feel like the the woods being the woods. Um, right. A little bit of I, I, untouched ground is kind of cool in, in my mind. Right. Um, so yeah, to me, I, I'm, I'm, and maybe they're trying to get ahead of uh, some of the technology that we discussed a couple of weeks yeah, maybe, ago, maybe. but, but yeah, it did seem uh, uh, a blindsided right hook, but let's shift gears to something a little more fun. Okay. And some of my favorite podcasts you have done in the last year or so have been the Tony Peterson ones specifically <laughs> around uh, you guys have done eighties action movies and, and I'm just a touch younger. So, so I have yep, a few yep. movies here with like key elements and how they relate to deer hunting. And I think yes. you're the guy to discuss this with. Yes. I love Tony Peterson. And I think we are, we've been in the, the space, uh, you know, him being a, a writer uh, for several years, me doing the podcast thing and then the DVDs even before that. And so when you've been in the, the space, as long as we have, it's always nice to just step away from the, hey, Byron, let's talk about, 
you know, big buck hunting tactics during the rut, you know, like Jesus, man, it, it just, after, after, you know, eight years of the same thing, every time I, I wanted to step away. And luckily I have Tony here who is, is happy to jump on board and BS with me about this stuff. Oh, and yeah, the conversations are hilarious. Um, so, so I'm going to take a, a classic. Okay. The scene in predator, right. Yep. When he's being chased down and it's just Arnold left. Okay. And he goes full camouflage and paints his entire face. And the with guy mud. like with mud walks by yep. him. And I did a segment uh, on a YouTube video about like, I do think painting your face is something that like is definitely something I do because I feel it is a touch of an advantage. I felt like whitetails ID their prey predators from their, their, their head and shoulder outline of, of a human. And I wanted your two cents, paint your face. No. Yes. Where are you at well, with this one? Well, luckily, whitetails can't see in infrared, okay? Yes, yes. Um, it was not infrared <laughs> specific, but it was just the whole concept of painting right, face. Right. And luckily, my life is not in danger when a deer is is near. But I will say this, and I mean this, Byron, with all due respect. If I had a hunting buddy or I was sharing a camp with someone and they would paint their face before they would go out, I personally would make fun of them. I uh, like I'm anti-face paint. I don't know why back in the day when I was like seven or eight uh, or whenever I would go out, maybe it was 12 or 13 more like it, but I would put the, you know, the, the stick underneath the eyes and across mm -hmm. the forehead and stuff like that. And then I realized how hard it is to get some of that stuff off your face at the end of the day. And I just was like, okay, I'm done doing it. And now that I'm a grown man and I see other grown men do it, I just chuckle a little bit. That's that is fair. I, I so, <laughs> so so I do paint the face. I kind of just throw some 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 uh, black across just to break it up because I feel like when yeah. I'm walking in the woods and I see another hunter, the first thing I see is that face. Like he can yeah. be camouflaged up, and it's like boom. Um, and yep. so like yeah, I have just felt like, and maybe it's just a, a, a inner confidence. Um, yep. The other thing is like okay, if we show up at a parking lot right, and the other guy pulls in, and I got my face painted up. Like he ain't messing with me, right? There's a little like war paint going on. He thinks you're crazy. That's you're right. Why. Yeah, yeah. I start doing the haka or something wild. Like yeah. <laughs> that would be nuts. Before you're doing that before every set. Uh, wow. I would say mo most hunts, I do throw some sort of paint on. Um, maybe in a, a rushed after work hunt. Right. Um. Okay. Next movie and yeah. uh, shooter. Are you familiar? The Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg. Yeah. Yep. And he's, uh, he's the really, really good sniper. Yes. Yeah. Try to frame him. Exactly. And okay, there is, yep. there is a scene where like him and his like compadre are like total prep mode and they're doing all these little details. Like they spray paint their guns and their scopes because they don't want them to be flat black. They're um, making pipe bombs out of certain articles of, of, of uh, PVC plus like a plastic water bottle. But my thought was, all these little small details kill deer. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the little things that you do, whether it be like waking up 10 minutes before, you know, you could set your alarm for 630, but if you set it for 620 and, and you catch every red light on your way out of town, you're okay. Yep. Um, the, you know, did you prep all your, your mobile equipment? Did you give it a once over the night before that takes you five minutes, but then you, you know, you, you have all your buckles, you have all your straps. Yeah. I feel like those little details sometimes kill big deer. And I wanted your thoughts on, on that concept. 
Absolutely. Uh, I do something that I, I know a lot of people may think is crazy, but if I know I'm coming back to the, the, the same stand the next morning, right? Let's say I hunt it in the afternoon. I know I'm coming back to that same stand. I'm leaving everything. If, if it's going to rain, I'll take it down, but I'm leaving everything in the tree, my bow. Um, you know, if, if depending on what I need to carry in and out, like if how cold it is, mm -hmm. I, I leave my pack there, everything stays. And then the only thing I'm doing is getting out of my truck and walking to the tree stand. Mm -hmm. And so that's, a, that's a specific one. Now, as far as a detailed, like paying attention to details, dude, the one thing I do not skimp on is access routes. Uh, I I've learned the hard way so many times, and it's just, that's a detail that I'm not willing to overlook. Okay. All right. Final movie here on this segment, the Patriot, a classic. Okay. Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson. Yes. Um, Wait, oh, that was in the nineties. I think that was either late nineties. Mm, that might be two thousands. Anyway, there's yes. a good scene in that movie. Yes. Um, the, the, the concept where they're laying the trap and, and he tells his two little boys like aim small, miss small. Yep. And, uh, they do. Okay. They knock some dudes down, but, but, um, I had this thought of, uh, in my bow hunting career, I messed up by not shooting enough does early on. I would wait till gun season, just smash them with a shotgun. And yep. that practice of that final 10 seconds, you can't duplicate. No. And I should have killed like four or five more deer with my bow in that probably five, six year period, instead of waiting for shotgun season and, and, and doing it with the gun, because you can't. The, the, those final 10 seconds 30 seconds with with a bow inside or with a deer inside bow range like that is the best practice you can have and and i've messed yeah. up on that personally and i thought i'd mention this as, as a concept for for listeners yeah yeah i mean i agree the more deer you shoot the better you become at shooting deer and um that's something that it took me a while to do um, because I, I, the way, the way I approached or how my, how I got serious into deer hunting, um, I kind of jumped right into big deer. Uh, I didn't really go through a, it's Brown, it's down phase. And I honestly believe that it, it cost me some, some big deer, uh, throughout the course of my career. And, uh, yeah, so aim small, miss small is a lot better than what it, what did what was this? The one guy joked, he's like, rage broadheads, shoot them in the middle, find them in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Now there is something to, to like remaining like conscious, if you will, and not going to blackout mode. Cause I, I, I killed yeah. a few, even bucks. And I like, dude, pin hits the, the brown deer. Boom. I'm squeezing, maybe not even yeah. squeezing the trigger. And yeah. I feel like there's, there's something to that step of just remaining conscious and yep. not going to black out. Oh, dude, you black out, it's over. Mm -hmm. right? And so it's been, I mean, I would say that 2016 or six, 2006 is when I, when I started taking deer hunting, big mature bucks serious. It took me maybe 10 more years to get comfortable around big deer, maybe mm -hmm. even a little, maybe even a little longer. And um, big, a big deer steps up most guys are going, uh, finally, I've been able to like control my breath. I talk to myself, like, don't mess this up. Stay calm. He's coming your way. You're going to get a shot, chill out and then, mm. you know, make it happen. That uh, I do have a fear that if I have an absolute mega come down the pike, I, uh, 
I don't have that experience. I have the decent amount of experience right. in in the Pope and Young crowd to like the 140 crowd. But like, let's say like a, a 150s eight would come down, you know, big frame. Deer. I yep. I might crumble a good bit, uh, yeah. e- even though I've I've kind of been there. But I think that next caliber, when that cage comes through, I think I might be a little rattled. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and it's 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 hard to overcome because uh, you know that saying when you win a championship and it maybe it's your first time. Mm-hmm. the the saying act like you've been there before I, I really do feel like the the only difference between you know like what's the difference between a hundred inch deer and a 170 inch deer right 70 inches that's it it's on their head it's not their behavior it's not their you know most deer are going to do the same exact thing for the most part mm-hmm. and and if, if you can remain calm and take your mind off the, the antlers and onto the vitals, I think you're going to do just fine. Sure. Sure. I just have, maybe it's one of those that is a quick decision kind of thing where it happens mm-hmm. quick. Um, yeah. I always, I always debate that. What would I rather have? Would I rather have a deer that's 300 yards out walking right at me and I can see him come in or would I rather have a buck show up? five seconds the whole thing takes five seconds like here he is boom shoot him or watch him slowly start coming in i i don't know because I, I think i would get more nervous the longer i would see him yeah but so, i also think feel like i could i could talk myself down off the uh, adrenaline rush initially so i know my biggest heart pounding moment was at a doe and i was like 18 years old with a crossbow mm-hmm. i think it was my first or second year hunting and um the, the, my mentor Gary Yager, uh, my best friend was Corey, and uh, his dad had a cabin, and he, had, we, we were out hunting there, and he decided, hey, I'm gonna go back and watch the Buckeyes play that night. Why don't you guys stay at yeah. the cabin? So we're like, we're trying to prove ourselves as young men. Yeah. We're like, dude, we're gonna shoot a deer, we're gonna drag it out the woods, we're gonna gut it, and not have any adults. We're gonna be badasses. And I watched this, uh, this doe, two does come into the swamp, and they probably appeared a uh, hundredish yards, but they worked their way to twenty, but it, it took fifteen minutes. And I swear to God you could hear my heart like through my eardrums. I was, it, it was, it, and we're talking, a, and I didn't even shoot her. Um, right. She busted me sliding the crossbow up the jacket and it was a uh, waterproofy type material. And so it made a right. noise. And right. even to this day, and I've probably shot 10, 15 bucks since then, that by far is the most adrenaline I've ever had because it took so yeah. long and we were trying to prove ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, man, I had a, you know, you know, the shipwreck story. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had shipwreck step out after chasing him for four years. And, uh, and I literally couldn't breathe when he stepped out. I instantly, like I saw one of his, one of the G2s, I knew it was him and I was having trouble breathing. Like my heart was beating. I thought I was going into cardiac arrest when all this was happening. And, uh, that did that played a played a role in in I feel the shot process uh and I hit him a little high so yeah yeah dude that's oh man yeah well uh, you, you you can you, you I don't know when you tell that story you you are to go into dream mode and like see it right. happening I gotta believe oh, yeah. uh so Dan one thing I did want to ask you about is like when you I don't know the white knuckle story uh, going on to a web show that was kind of, bef- well, I guess it wasn't technically a web show, but that was, you know, when I discovered you, you were already on Wired to Hunt. How did it develop? Like you were like, yeah, I think I'm going to start filming my hunts for for Todd and and running around run with Lucas Psycho and some of that crowd. Like, yeah. how did that truly start? Okay, so 
man, 2005, I got my finger cut off in an accident when I was working in Atlanta, Georgia, somewhere over there, sometime, somewhere yes, early 2005, maybe late 2004. I can't really remember. It's been so long. Anyway, I came back to Iowa. I bow hunted for, cause I got my finger cut off in October. Um, had to go get some surgery done on it. I, I uh, did two weeks of R and R and luckily that was like the first two weeks in November. I didn't get a deer that year, but um, I rehabbed back in Iowa and then, you know, my hand was better and it was time to, uh, it was time to uh, uh, get back down to work. And, and I ended up taking the same company, uh, moved to Alabama. All right. I, I worked in Alabama for a handful, of, you know, uh, probably 10, 15, 10, 12 months, somewhere around a year. And my buddy uh, who I went to high school with calls me. And he's like, Hey dude, there's this guy who moved into town and he's all about deer hunting. Uh, and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I, I love deer hunting. He's like, if you ever come back, you should meet up with this guy. And luckily I, I took a, a job back in my hometown. Uh, so me and my girlfriend at the time we moved there. And so my buddy, um, my buddy, this, this is no joke. The first time I met Todd pregnancy, the, uh, my buddy takes me to a bar Todd's already had a couple beers in him and uh, it's pretty loud in the bar. And I go, he goes, hey, my buddy Brent goes, Hey, this is, uh, this is Dan Johnson. He's the guy I told you about. He likes to hunt deer too. And he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. What's your name? I said, my name's Dan. He goes, Dallas. I go, no, Dan Johnson. And he goes, Dallas, Fort Worth. <laughs> and that is, that is, that was the name that he called me and everybody called me. They called me Dallas Fort Worth for like 10 years. They, they gave me that nickname and it was all because Todd had a, you know, he was already feeling real good mm -hmm. when I first, first met him. So now yeah, I knew Todd knew the DeQuistos had Todd at that point cannonballed into like higher level hunting. Yeah. Todd was already into that style. Um, he had come down to Iowa, I think a year or two previous, he drew Iowa before he moved from Michigan to Iowa. And he hunted for like 45 straight days in Iowa uh, with that tag. And he ended up getting a really good buck that year. Uh, and, and so that kind of was the, that kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back for him to quit his job, start doing what he was good at, which was basically exporting, uh, you know, and, and working with China and designing things. And, and so, um, he moved to Iowa and started hunting Iowa. Mm -hmm. So, and did you then, Oh, I gotta believe he's like, Hey, will you film your hunts or were you already kind of pursuing whitetails at maybe an elevated level at that point? Or was that kind of also no. a springboard for you? No. Um, it was not uh, like previous to 2006, like I met him conversations with him. And I knew some other big buck killers like um, uh, in the area, Sam Calora, that mm -hmm. name. If you don't know that name, this, that, this dude has four 200 inch bucks. I think he actually, I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything. He might actually have a, a fifth one now. Okay. And so, you know, he, and so he's got, he's got a couple, you know, 200 inches on the wall. The dude just slays. He not only that, but he raises deer. And so I had him to kind of, pick, you know, pick brains, you know, pick, you know, pick from and stuff. And so really 
watching uh, Todd describe the difference between a mature buck and a regular buck got me thinking about it. And then I started making moves based off of some of that stuff. And uh, just at that point was like, everything was self-learned, right? I taught mm-hmm. myself kind of everything and, oh, oh shit, I, I'm going to take this mobile, this mobile hunting serious. And I got busted every time I went into the woods, the first, you know, year or so. And so it took me a whole, a long time to figure all of it out until I, until it kind of just clicked for me on how to access, you know, what the wind, the thermals, all that stuff. And so running into Todd was a bit of a tipping point for me to go mobile. It just so happened that in this core, in this, in this time frame is when he was starting white knuckle. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of was in the same town with as him. I jumped on board with him. I started, you know, hanging with him, filming hunts with him. Uh, he was, he would jump in a tree with me. I would jump in a tree with him and, uh, we'd go shed hunting and, and kind of do all things whitetailed together at that point. Okay. And this is pre kids. I got to believe and pre wife or uh, early wife. Oh yeah. Pre wife. This was, uh, let's see, 2006 or so. I, I just broke up with a girl that I was living with in Alabama. She moved back to Iowa with me. Um, cause she was from the same town uh, as me. And then that didn't, that went away. And then for like, I mean, from that point on, no girl, no problem, man. I was, mm-hmm. I was a hundred percent. And that's why I feel like from 2006 or seven until 2000 and man, what, what year did I get married? 2012, I think I got married. And so from that, that period was, I was all in on deer hunting. I mean, I was hunting 30 plus days a year. I was shed hunting 30 plus days a year. I was scouting like every day while I was shed hunting. I started running more trail cameras. I started learning. I started, you know, like mentally noting everything. And so that's when that period of time is really when my if you were, if you were to look at me on a graph, mm-hmm. it'd be low in 2006, 2006 hits. I break up with that girl and just the time spent in the woods and my knowledge of um, big mature deer just went okay. how to be comfortable around them and things like that. But it really wasn't until 2016 after being married four years is when things started to click for me. Cause you know, I got married, had a kid right away. And that, what that did was force me to be as efficient as possible in the woods with scouting, with running trail cameras, with uh, shed hunting and, and, and all the stuff and, and hunting specifically. And then once that forced, right, I reacted to my environment and it clicked for me. And that's when I started having consistent success. Okay. And so you had mentioned that that time period of 2006, seven ish to 2011, you got married. Wired to Hunt came about, I want to say 2012, 20. I'm not, I'm not sure when Mark, yeah, because he'd been doing it for a while. First time I ever met Mark was at um, a a white knuckle production film school Mm -hmm. where Todd would put on a film school and teach people how to you know, film, his camera guy was there as well. Uh, people would pay money to come to it and learn and things like that. And so Mark Kenyon was there and uh, that's how me and Mark first kind of met. 
and we kind of hit it off and would text each other and, and uh, uh, you know, message each other and things like that. And, and then um, I think it was about, I think the, it was either 2013. So Wired to Hunt had been a thing for a while. Yeah, I'm talking the podcast. Uh, I, yeah. I realized he had the the, the online blog. website yeah. and the blog. Right. And and then so it was like 2000, early 2013. No, it was probably, I'm trying to think if it was March of 13 or March of 14 when I invited him down for a shed hunt. And on that shed hunt is when he was like, hey, dude, do you want to? you want to host it or co-host the show with me? And I was like, let's do it, dude. Uh, okay. So, so I just scrolled back. I got March, 2014. Uh, as that's as the first one, it looks like that's the number one episode. Yeah. And I think nine finger Chronicles came that fall or okay. later that year. And so I, I think, I think he had eight months. We did it. We did the show for six to eight months before I was like, God, there's a, there's a whole nother demographic that, uh, that were missing on the wire to hunt that I could hit with my, my podcast. And so, um, I, I, we, we did both, like I did both for a very long time. Yeah. It was kind of cool because like, I would say the first hundred episodes of wired to hunt, like changed my life. Like that was one of the, the information was digestible. I think you and Mark were at the perfect point in your whitetail careers. If you will, you didn't, you, you know, your family was either young or you, you had just gone through this, like you said, five, six year period where you were just ate up with it, but still learning, right? Learning the crap. Right. right. And uh, your role as being the the funny, relatable, uh, <laughs> it was perfect, if you will. And yeah. timing is everything in, 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 yeah. in a lot of things that are successful. And then Mark, with his marketing background, podcasting was so new. Mm. Um, that was fire, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I miss those days, man. I, I think from a, from a, a team, like, mm -hmm. you know, like two people who work well together. Mark was in his own world and I was in like, we were similar in a way, but really different in a way. And I, um, I really miss that. Like I, I, that wired to hunt time was just something real special, man. It was. Um, and you guys were, I, I think, it, I think it's a combination of timing where you guys were in your whitetail careers um and and two guys that did it yeah yeah, yeah because Age, you had the like, time. I'm 10 years i'm roughly 10 i think i'm 10 years older than him or or seven or something like that and uh age and kids and uh experience like little bit different experience level you know he came from you know the hard to hunt high pressured public lands of michigan i i came from the you know the the permission big buck state of iowa and it was just like a perfect mix man yeah, yeah, I would agree with that, and and I yeah, I kind of wanted to hear a little more on oh that development or and and I got to believe when he said po podcast, I don't know if Rogan was even around then. Did you just go what the hell is a podcast? You know, no, did I, you I knew what a podcast was because I was listening to a podcast at the time called Star Talk Radio. Okay, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, there's this astrophysicist. His name is Neil deGrasse Tyson. And, and so he talks of like, it, uh, I, I get a kick out of things like black holes and time travel and space and the theory of relativity and, and all that, all the, just the nerd dumb stuff. And so it, he would bring comedians on to that show. He would talk about these things. They would crack jokes about it. And I just, I love that podcast. So that's what I was listening to back then a uh, long time ago. 
and uh and then just kind of from there you know, so i knew what it was and i knew but i didn't really know the the inner workings of it and so mark he did didn't you figure out your mic on like episode 26 yeah it was funny I, yeah, that, yeah yeah it was crazy I, we were just going through the computer and every time i was like man this microphone sucks man it just sucks ass and and then um i had to switch a setting on my computer I, I didn't know you had to do that. I thought you just plugged it in and it worked automatically. Uh, but yeah, it took us, it took us a while to get the the wheels properly greased. Oh, that's so funny. Um, all right. Two quick bullet points. Uh, Dan, you are, you're not a gear nerd, but you're definitely a gear guy. I mean, you have a hunting gear yeah. podcast. You've done that even from the early, I think that was a first addition to the network before there was a network, you yeah, know, it was, uh, it was probably top four. Top yeah. Four podcasts. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask, what is the best piece of hunting gear you have spent your own money on? This can't be uh, a sponsor or anything like that. Like you forked out X dollars and you're like, dude, this is worth every penny. 100% crispy boots. Boots. Nice. Which model? Uh, Thors. Okay. Uh, green Thors. I can't can't tell you how much, like I've, I've worn boots before that. Uh, I wore a pair of Danner Pronghorns. Uh, for a handful of years and if you were getting side hilly mm. if you were getting up and down it shift in your foot i'd get i'd get some small blisters that kind of stuff i've never had a uh, a blister on in my crispies um i the i'm afraid to get rid of the pair that i currently have and they're five years old mm-hmm. and so i've been using the same crispy boots for four or five seasons now and they are they're still i i i power wash them mm-hmm. every year I, then I let them dry and then I, uh, put a, a coat of, uh, waterproofer over top of them and they work great still. Um, I just, but it's time, right. The waterproofing wears off and, and, uh, they just break down. You're putting miles on something. Yeah, exactly. And so it's time, I think this year uh, I'm going to go get the exact same pair again. And, uh, yeah, man, just hands, hands down those boots. Okay. Uh, overrated piece of gear in the hunting space. Like, is there something that you see people spending money on or is hyped beyond? And you're just like, ah, eh, like, I don't know if that's that big a deal. I mean, at the end of the day, we're whitetail hunting 15 to 45 minutes from the truck. Most times. Oof. I, I would, I, the old Dan Johnson would have said an e-bike because, mm. uh, I could, I, you know, oh dude, who could even afford an e-bike? What e-bike? Uh, but now I have an e-bike and they're freaking awesome. Uh, especially on some public land spots where they're legal. Mm-hmm. Now, instead of hiking one mile back, I was riding six miles back. I rode back six miles and it took me like 30 minutes. Right. And so, uh, I mean, I was getting in places where people just weren't going unless you yeah. were the the person running the cattle on that. Yeah, I, on that public. So I grew up hunting some private ground that we had four wheelers and access uh, mm-hmm. trails and stuff like that. And they were really oh. sweet, but I'm like, I never see myself ever owning a four-wheeler now because an e-bike stores way better i can use it for like personal fun way easier to load and unload it it's way easier like honestly the forerunner or quad runners four-wheelers as as a hunting tool i think i'm gonna go with the e-bike is gonna replace a lot of that yeah unless you know the only thing i can see would be the hauling out of deer but still make a second trip on a bike it's nothing dude i think you strap like a tow rope and a jet sled to it 
Yeah. And and you walk next to that bike and you're hitting that throttle. So like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going at a walking pace, but it's doing 90% the work to pull your deer. That's a good point. Yeah. Holy so Dan, Dan has you, a look on his face. You're He's going to buy a jet sled. You're right. You're smart, man. Over <sighs> Overrated though. <sighs> you know, I can see how someone would say like an Ozonics would be overrated. I, I love my Ozonics. I think that thing has in the field and out, uh, outside of the, you know, back in the garage, uh, functionality overrated. Uh, the, the, the only thing that I can think of is a bow. I, I what, say bow. a bow. And, and the reason I say that is because with proper practice, I feel I could take any bow that's currently on the market, tune it, practice with it and go kill a deer with it. Yeah. Dan, I think you and I could pick up Matthew's Z7 bows. That it was like a 27 or 2007 flagship model. I think yeah. that particular model has killed more whitetails than than probably any other bow that I can think of. Um, yeah. And I that bow is what? 50, that's over 15 years old. Yeah. You know, like you and I could pick that bow up and go hunt with it this fall. And inside of 30 yards, we're killing probably everything that we would kill with our 2023 20, flagship models. Yep. I feel, I, I, other than that, I just can't think of probably, you know, I don't want to say broadheads cause I, I have a couple broadheads that I've, that do a lot of damage and I love them, but I think I, I do think that there's too much. Well, uh, also, so it's, it's a one, a and one B bows and camo. Mm. I think, I think certain camo is overrated uh, or camouflage in general is overrated i think a lot of people put too much weight onto their camo when mm -hmm. all they need to do is just not move so much i could see that i could see that for sure but uh, i'll tell you what the hoodie you're wearing right now yeah is i gave it away to my stepdad and i want an indian give it back now i want it back from him but that predator hoodie man that's a that's a badass hooded sweatshirt i love it yeah, this is the old school brown deception, not the yep. new brown deception. This is yep. the old school. And and uh, if you take note uh, of guys in the 90s and 2000s, they were wearing uh, guys that were doing it at elevated all the slayers. Level. Yeah, all yes. the slayers were wearing Predator. Yep. Andy May killed a buck uh, early in the Instagram days and was decked out in a Wolf Woolens Predator brown deception. Everyone's like, what mm -hmm. pattern is that? And I'm like, dude, the killers now. Yeah. And I was a huge fall gray guy. Mm -hmm. that, that that was my go-to november camo and then the the brown deception came out after that i believe and uh when when i got that hoodie God, i i actually after we're done talking i actually might go and buy it online dude yeah yeah oh man uh and i i had the same note is is there underrated gear that you you feel is not talked about enough maybe a simple item and then i have my final bullet of the up yeah. So underrated, something that's underrated, man, I personally, for me and the way that I hunt, I would say some kind of ozone device. And the reason I say that is not necessarily, yes, I have seen, I have, I feel personally like I've gotten away with some really tight situations in the tree stand with an ozonics blowing, right? Say what you want about how it works, but the science behind it is the science behind it. I feel where it really stands out is instead of having to wash my clothes every two days during the rut, 
I hang it in a case in, in the little the little closet thing or in a closet, run the machine and let the ozone soak into my clothes, man. There and I just feel invisible when I'm walking in the woods on a morning hunt and you get in the tree, you got that mixed with the right thermals or whatever the case may be. I I, I just feel that that ozone is is just completely destroying the all the all the bacteria all the odor and and making you smell fresh i guess and and uh i think i think ozone from a cleansing your clothes application is probably underrated nice nice that's a good answer um okay i have my final bullet point uh you ever gonna buy a piece of ground is that uh i was close Uh uh-huh I was close this year. Uh, and what I mean by that is the uh, things were all adding up. And then there there was like a shift in some certain things. And uh, and then it, it didn't really pan out. But dude, that's a dream I feel for everybody. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to afford land in the county in Iowa that I live in because it's a very populated, highly taxed. You know, that's just, yeah well sought after uh piece of property where like a hundred a day a hundred acres is going for twelve five an acre mm-hmm. and now on junk on junk soil okay mm-hmm. and so um that's like northern Iowa prices for black dirt egg ground my dad uh owns inherited 80 acres from my grandparents and he was like oh, unprofessional uh, and he was, I think the neighbors were in the 14s, like when they sold their property, 14 something. And so it'd have to be in Southern Iowa somewhere where, you know, the soil's not that good. The population isn't there. And, uh, so maybe back in my home County or West of that, it's a dream, man. I, I want to, I want to really bad. I want to be able to have that second archery tag, that landowner's tag for, you know, spot for, for your kids a, to hunt that spot for is my always there yeah exactly i i want those things and i want to be able to pass something like that or snowball it you mm-hmm. know by the 40 a couple years later but you know trade it in for the 80 trade it in for the 160 trade yeah. it in for the you know i'll be 60 by the time that happens but you know 300 acres and then tell my kids don't sell it save this have this be the investment, you know, take, teach your kids how to hunt and fish and things like that on it. And, uh, it, like create a legacy of sorts. And, uh, it's a dream, man. I, I, I want to really bad. It's just finding the finances, you know, and, and in this crazy world where we're living in, man, my grocery bill, oh. just my grocery bill has gone up, you know, $150 a week. Yeah, that's right. where we, I feel like, feel it the yeah. most is in the groceries. Gr- groceries and, and things like that. And obviously gas is higher now that this guy's in office. But uh, just, I don't know. I feel yeah. like we're getting, I'm getting my, I'm getting, there's a vacuum attached to my uh, my bank account. And uh, I, I'm trying to plan accordingly. And we'll see what happens after tax season this year, after yeah. I finish my taxes. Yeah, I have set aside a nest egg uh, for it and and labeled yeah. it and communicated yeah. to the wife like this is for land. Um, yeah, I if I had any note 
for a guy who's listening to this, let's call him like just out of college, 20 some years old. They're not oh, making yeah. great money. I would tell them take a paycheck or, or take um 20 bucks out of a paycheck and put it in the S and P especially right now. Cause it's down. Um, but literally start building that nest egg because compounding interest by the time you're 35, you're going to have your down payment for the, the, the piece. Yeah. And even if that piece is 10 acres, 20 acres or 50, but like, mm -hmm. dude, it, I wish somebody would have grabbed me by the, the head at, at 22 years old yeah. and said, I know you're not making great money, yeah. but, uh, you got to stash away 20 bucks a month right now. And then if yeah. you get a little raise, can you stash a little more? Because you'd, look, you'd be yeah. sitting on it by 35, right? Like, right, right. I just look at the, uh, the amount of money that I spent on booze mm -hmm. in my, in my twenties, I was just like, holy shit, what would that have been if I invested that, you know, and, 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 and things like that. So yeah, dude, it's a dream. Hopefully someday, uh, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dan, that is a, a, a gamut of, of topics, a wide variety. I really appreciate you coming on today and spending some time. And, and I enjoyed it, man. These were a couple yeah. selfish questions I wanted to do, to talk about yeah, with you. Absolutely, man. Love, uh, love chatting with you, Byron, man. I love taking a step on, you know, on a little bit on the wild side and, and talking about things like movies and away from the actual deer hunting, because yeah, I just feel like life is 5% deer hunting. And everything else is actually what, what matters in, in this world. And, and so uh, guys like us, you know, I'm guilty of it. We put probably a little too much energy towards it sometimes, uh, even though this is my full-time job, right? Uh, I still feel like I'm thinking about it when I probably shouldn't, but I guess when it's in your DNA, you can't, you can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just in case guys, uh, where can, uh, Dan, where, where can people find you if they are not following already? I, I would find that hard to believe. Yeah. So, um, just go to onlyfans.com and <laughs> type in nine fingers and see what happens. No, uh, the sportsman's empire, that's where everything is at, right? That's where your podcast is at. That's where uh, my podcast is at the hunting gear podcast is at all the other uh, shows that are on the network. That's where they're at. So sportsmansempire.com and uh, just go check it out. All right, Dan. Thanks, man. Thank you.